Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. So we're talking, we're going to go over to Philippians here, if you're in Philippians 1, and we're doing a verse-by-verse here on Philippians. And last week we started, and we talked about all the the, kind of the generals on it, as far as that it is a, um, it's called the Epistle of Joy by most, because um, it is, uh, Paul emphasizes joy a bunch in it. Um, The author, of course, was the Apostle Paul. In fact, usually... Not always, but Paul would have a ghostwriter. <laughs> he would have somebody taking notes while he was sharing what the Lord had given to him or what was on his heart. Um, this is what's known as one of the prison epistles. Um, Paul was actually in prison when he wrote this um, and actually chained to a Roman uh, soldier while he wrote it. And so that would be interesting. You know, some of you think it's, you know, you need everything and everybody away from you just to pray. Here's a guy writing by the Holy Ghost with a prison guard chained to him. No, no, yeah, we'll see that. It didn't hurt the prison guard, of course. That's not the point. The point is, is that you can focus on God wherever you are. You just have to learn and develop and choose to. And so as you grow in your relationship with the Lord, you can do that. Um, it's not that I, you know, because we, we talk about, how many have heard this, quiet time? <laughs> Jesus knew the anointing went out of him and healed somebody in the middle of a crowd. And he knew, he was so aware of the Spirit of God flowing through him, this wasn't just a crowd like, you know, there were a few people. The, the actual idea is like a throng. It's people pressing on him on all sides. So he was being touched, and it's the, the apostles say, what do you mean somebody touched you? Everybody's running into us and touching you. But he was so aware of the Lord that he knew the anointing went out of him, even though there were people touching him constantly in that crowd. Isn't that amazing? And we're called to that. And you're actually equipped to live like that. So, um, you know, sometimes people... People think, no, I don't, I don't think so. Nope, you are. Because you've been born again as a child of God. And so you have the same access to the Father that Jesus does. Isn't that nice? Because of the price that he paid. So, um, and uh, the religious world would teach you otherwise, but that's not what the scripture teaches us. Um, so we're talking about, and we talked about, we hit the first two verses. And I'm just going to read those. It says, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ... To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I just want to say this real quick, and we touched on these two verses, but Wednesday nights, the design here is to teach. So this is specifically slow. It's on purpose. So Sunday mornings is a different... You know, it's a different uh, feel, different, different kind of atmosphere, so to speak. But this is designed to, and actually from scriptures we know this, that actually the truth is to be built line upon line, precept upon precept. So if you learn how to listen like you do on a Sunday morning on a Wednesday night, you can get things that will actually, I, I, over the years I've realized this, um, I actually get, get more out of sessions that are just teaching than, than other sessions, other times of meetings, depending on what the meeting is like. 
teaching and actual the anointing to teach, Brother Hagin said this was actually stronger than the anointing to preach. And so what happens is in teaching is you actually, it, it, it has this steady reinforcing effect in your life. And it doesn't, at the moment, it doesn't feel like a lot's happening. But it is the cornerstone mentality, it's the foundation mentality, it's the, there's, have you ever seen something where you have uh, somebody who's arranging things and there's one maybe stone that's kind of out of place and the, the, the mason or whatever walks up to it and just taps it a few times into place? That's what teaching is. But that little tap, how many have seen something, well, you've all seen the dam that's about to break. And the, the illustration of one little hole that just starts to leak. And that's exactly how the enemy works. He tries to get one little spot working. But if we're, teaching has this effect of just uh, kind of walking the foundation of our faith and going tap, tap, tap. Yep. Now that won't move. Because the enemy comes along and he tries to force things out and move things around, and develop fractures in the foundation of what we believe. And if he can do that, he does it circumstantially, he does it through thoughts, suggestions, he does it through false doctrines, he does it through uh, world situations, he does it through the spirit of fear, which is constantly operating in the earth. How many realize there's a well-established spirit of antichrist and fear flowing through the earth? Okay? Teaching has this ability, it's, it's not powerlifting, it's reps, steady. How many know it's better to work out for 10 years consistently than it is to work out for 10 weeks and quit? That's the difference uh, that teaching makes in your life. It's a steady thing, week after week. I read that, have you ever uh, read your, you read it, maybe you read a chapter today, I don't know what you do for your Bible reading, but you wake up in the morning and go, your, your natural mind will go, why am I doing this? And then you get into it, and the Holy Spirit speaks to you in the middle of the verses, and you go, oh, and you didn't realize how much was happening just by feeding on the Word of God. This is why you have to discipline kids in it, because they don't get it. They don't see it always. You just keep after it and keep after it. And they may not even realize now what's taking place, but 20 years from now, they'll realize it. They'll realize it, and that's just how the Lord is. He's very steady. He's very consistent. So keep that in mind. So as we're, as we're reading through this, some of it is going to be just kind of some natural knowledge, and it'll seem like, why do I need to know who the author was? Why do I need to know when it was written? Why do I need to know the main kind of emphasis of this, or what the atmosphere was, or what city he was, he was writing to? What is it important that we know that the, the city of Philippi was actually a, a, Roman, retire, a Roman military re retirement city? And you'll, when you dig into these things, you find out even, we, we talked about it last week, but th this letter is the only letter Paul wrote where he didn't refer to his office as an apostle. Why? But why didn't he have, see, if you didn't know that Philippi was a military retirement city, or colony as they called it, then you wouldn't know why he didn't address authority like that. He didn't need to. They understood authority. 
They already understood it because of their military background. So the Holy Spirit didn't have him emphasize that. That can seem like just a natural thing. You know, I used to skip over those things like, yeah, yeah, okay, it was written in this. Yeah, yeah, okay, come on. Get to the meat of it, you know. But there's no wasted words in the Bible. Did you know that? Even if you, if you want to get real technical, when you start getting, and I have not got here yet, but I've kind of broken into it, and I'm contemplating whether I'm going to go all the way into it, but even if you get into the structure of the way the words are, are put together and the way it's constructed, which language uh, people do this, there's a reason why, and it follows a pattern. It's pretty interesting. This is the wonderful thing. In fact, I said this, the Holy Spirit said this to me probably, oh, maybe 20, nah, probably not 20, probably 15 years ago, uh, uh, back at when I was at a, working with a, well, there's another ministry at that time, it was YVAN is what it was. And um, that won't mean a lot to a lot of you, but it means something to my (laughs) in-laws. So, but back then, the Holy Spirit had spoken something to me in one of the meetings. He said, if you jump into the word of God, you never hit the bottom. In other words, it's eternal. The words are eternal. So the depth that's available in the word, you could have Philippians memorized and be able to quote it and still not know the depth of it. You can study it. Guys, I've studied Philippians before. Do you think I've read over it once or twice? I circled the stuff I circled. I put stars next to the stars because it's so important again. In other words, the point is, is that every time you read the word and look to the word, it is spirit and life. It is fresh bread straight out of the oven. It is meat freshly cooked. Milk that is fresh. It is all, it never, uh, the word of God does not have an expiration date. It doesn't ever spoil or go bad. The spirit of God can speak to you out of something that seems so obscure and make it personable to you right where you're at today. And you can read a verse one year and go, wow. And then read it 10 years later and go, man, I thought I knew something. But it should be the process of the longer you go, the more you realize you don't know. And I'm thankful for that because it grows, it develops. And the more I make room for the word and the less I make room for other things to fill or clutter my mind that are other things that are useless, you know what I mean? Uh, not, not uh, you kind of have to define that because sometimes people think you need to turn into a monk and go live on the side of a mountain somewhere. But you, you, you give the, the whole of the spaces of who you are inside to the word of God, just the better and better it gets. More faith comes, more grace is available. You get stronger. You realize what he has what he has done in you, just like the development of a seed when you plant it and water it and it just continues to grow. But it takes endurance. And a lot of people miss out because they're easily, they're easily distracted or they, they give up quickly in their patient endurance of these things. But if you stick with it, I promise you, I've never met anybody that was disappointed they spent their life in the Word. 
that really, I mean, they went after it. I met a guy years ago, and he was, a, I think he was a Nazarene pastor, and his wife was a nurse up at St. V's. His wife actually ended up delivering Ian, and uh, she was led by the Holy Spirit, and I watched her. It was amazing. She was about to leave. Heidi was, uh, we were up in the, in the birth center up there, and Heidi was, it was getting closer and closer for Ian to come, and uh, the nurse came in, and you know, she, you know what they do, check all their vitals and all that stuff, and uh, uh, and then she was walking out, and she stopped, and she goes, wait, I'm just going to check you real quick. She almost got out the door, and I watched the Holy Spirit go, ding, just like that. And, uh, and she turned around, and you know how they check, so I'm not going to go through that. But uh, <laughs> you're all, bless you, in the name of the Father, the Son. <laughs> so I, uh, she, came, she went, oh! And she went right out the door and called for the doctor, and Ian was out in like two pushes. He was right there. Like, he was like, I'm sneaking out of here. I'm, <laughs> I'm done with this, you know. <laughs> so anyway, that's just for your fun. All right, so anyway, this, this man came, and this was when I was a youth pastor. He actually came and sat with me. Um, in my office uh, when I was a youth pastor in the assembly church, and when he, the moment he sat down, I went, this guy knows God. I could tell. I know. How many, you, you know when somebody knows God? Like, you're aware of him, and you, can, you're, you sense him in, your, in brothers and sisters in Christ. And um, I just knew. Yeah, I mean, it was, he was, he carried weight. And I don't even know if he was what we might call spirit-filled, like we, like we know, he, he, he just sat down and we talked for a while and finally he, he was trying to, he was offering, selling something for the church. And I wanted to get past all that nonsense and just hear what God had done in his life. That's what I wanted to hear. And so I started asking him and I found out he, would, he had been a pastor for like 30 years of a very small church. I mean, I don't think it ever went above 20 people or 25 people. But his habit was every day he would wake up at four in the morning and read his Bible from four to eight every morning and journal. He would journal and he would read and journal and read and journal. And he had, I think, two or three kids. And as he would go through journaling and, and doing this, he would write things to his kids in his journals. And they all get the journals when he dies. I don't think that's impressive. And, and here, you say, why do you say that? Because you could tell he was, the ship, the hull of the ship was full of what? Precious seed. How can you be in prison and have joy? The hull of the ship is full. How can you go through trial after trial after, after trouble after trouble after trouble and come out on the other side praising God and victorious? There's seed in the ship, and you're the ship. In the whole, you hold the seed. We overcome by grace through faith. But you have to have knowledge of that grace, and knowledge comes through the Word of God. Not only teaching, but then you in your time with the Lord and the Holy Spirit teaching you in your time with the Word. Amen? And so um, you can be actually become a, uh, a word addict. Where if you go too long without the word, you just kind of twitch a little bit. <laughs> you just, you know, you kind of get sweats or something. You need something, you know. You need your fix. 
And you can become that. And the word is that way. You can, you can, I dare you to try this sometime. Just sit down and read yourself full. Just keep reading. People say, how do you do that? Start in Acts 1 and just go. Just read. Try it. Try it sometime. People say, well, how will I know when I'm full? How do you know when you're full when you're eating? You just know. You'll know. It will become apparent inside of you. I've do, I do this frequently. I do it with studying just because it's almost like I have to, you know, because you got to. But I, do, I, I read and read and read and read, and I just know I just get to this tipping point where it's like, we are now officially intoxicated. <laughs> you just get so, it's like nothing else matters, and all you're thinking about is God. You're so honed in and focused on Him. And everything else just dissipates around you. You don't even care. Because you just are, it's the washing of the water of the Word. And it's, you just fill up and fill up and fill up. And uh, anybody, can, anybody can do that if, if you take the time. So we saw here about bond servants in, in Philippians 1.1. And then in verse 2, um, uh, we saw also that what makes a saint, and we looked at bishops and deacons. And you don't get voted in to be a saint, okay? Um, we saw that Paul, Paul and Timothy, in verse 1, Paul calls them bondservants. Uh, and I read this. I want to read it again. Each believer has the choice of slavery to Christ. This is Bobby Andian's commentary. They choose to lay down their own plans and operate in their spiritual office thus building up the church. So it doesn't matter what church uh, label is or anything. Nothing can happen in the church, the body of Christ, without people functioning within what they're called to do. So we see that. Uh, we saw that bond servants, the actual one of the definitions is one who gives himself or herself up wholly to another's will. And this is specifically to the Lord's will. Devoted to another to the disregard of one's own self. Now, in American culture, that doesn't sound great. But I can tell you this, in the, in the kingdom of heaven, it is highly, uh, it is highly appreciated and loved. And uh, it is greatly rewarded, by the way, as well, if you give up yours for his. So we saw in verse 2, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is the spiritual condition of one governed by the power of divine grace or by the power of God. Peace means prosperity, but the, the, it means wholeness is the thought, okay? Wholeness, completeness. Now, if you think of prosperity and you only think of money, you're missing a whole, whole sections of it. Prosperity is actually spirit, soul, and body, it's, it's wholeness in every area is what it is. Um, money is just one part, one small part of it. The, trank, uh, the word peace, as far as theirs, and then I added my own definition in there with theirs, but it's the tran tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God and content in earthly conditions, knowing that we have authority over them in Christ. How can I be content? I can be content... Because I'm harmonized with God no matter the condition that I'm in. So think of it in terms of where is Paul writing the letter from? Prison. And yet he has what? Peace. Specifically. Why does he have peace? Because he has grace. Why is the peace manifesting? Because he's using his faith. He's saved by grace through faith. 
I'm going to use my faith in the middle of trial, tribulation. Why? And operate outside of what, what the world would call outside of my mind. But it's actually within Christ's mind, and it's just they can't catch that because they have a natural mind. They, they function within their entire understanding of this world is based on conditions. Training from this world to them. Our understanding of this world is training from heaven with an understanding, a view that is above the situation that we're in. Realizing that there are two spirits operating at all times, the spirit of Christ and the spirit of Antichrist in the earth. And we choose to slide in or yield under or have housed now the spirit of Christ, which makes us translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of what? The son of his love. Which means what? That the spirit of this world doesn't rule you. In other words, to put it in scriptural terms, the one who is in you is greater. Yes. So in other words, you're functioning from the inside out. So how can, how can Paul write a joy letter to a free people when he's a bound person? By grace, through faith. How can Paul have an outlook, and we'll see it here in just a few verses, of I'm confident that this will work out for my deliverance. You know, people today would be, just Paul, you, just take in a dose of reality, Paul. Or the other side of it is, boy, you know, that Paul has really gotten hold of the psychology of positivity. <laughs> No, it's not the issue. He's operating by grace through faith. Well, we, you know, we've studied the mind now, and we've studied it so much, and look at what it's producing. You should, you should spend some billions on studying the Holy Spirit and less time studying the human condition. If they had spiritual knowledge, all right, so that's our job. We know that. Verse 3. So we have grace and peace. Then he says this, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Thankfulness is, is, uh, has to do with, of course, expressing gratitude or being thankful. Uh, remembrance is recollecting. So as Paul thinks about the ministry work in Philippi, he is reminded of the relationship that he has with the people, and it stirs up in him thankfulness to God. Paul is not whining about where he is. He's thanking God for the people that he's ministering to, not even thinking about where he's at in regards to meditating on prison time. Paul took prison time from the position of seated in heavenly places and went, hmm, prison time must be book writing time. So download, Lord, I'll write books for you. He, nothing, when you're a person of faith, there's always a way out. Even if you're chained to a Roman guard. There's always a way out. Thankfulness is the offspring of meditating on God. Complaining is the offspring of meditating on poor circumstances. 
Naturally, Paul could have justified complaining being he was in prison. There is something powerful spiritually in the principle here. It is good to recite, remember, uh, upon every remembrance. Remembrance is to recollect. There is something, it is good to recite or recollect the work that God has done in our lives to stir up thankfulness. Thankfulness to God is a powerful spiritual principle. Thankfulness eradicates complaining. Right? Uh, Lord, thank you for my house. Lord, thank you that I'm not sleeping outside. Lord, thank you that you provided for me this. Thank you, Lord, for my spouse. Thank you, Lord, for my family. Thank you, Lord, for my church. Thank you, Lord, for... Do you see? If you go down that path, people say, you know, and I've done this. because I understand this because it's the pressure of natural thinking and then the world we live in. But it's easy to look at what you don't have. It takes effort to look at what you do have and be thankful for it. And this is the interesting thing about it. It's a spiritual principle. It actually, when you do that, produces an atmosphere for more to come. When you're thankful. Isn't that interesting? It's like complaining has this resisting force to the blessing. Where thankfulness has this opening effect. To where God can go... We can get more to them now. It doesn't change his will. His will is the same. It's just our level of receptivity. And it comes to spiritual maturity. And so thankfulness is the mark of somebody who is spiritually mature. All right, let's go down to verse 4. Always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy. The word prayer, or it is the word request, those two together are pretty much the same word, but it means supplication or petition. So in every prayer of Paul's, he is making requests for them. Uh, the word is desis in the Greek. It's D-E-E-S-I-S. I almost added too many E's in there. Which means supplication or intercession rooted in a realization of another's need. So this is prayer that Paul is petitioning on behalf of the church in Philippi because he recognizes in the spirit that they have a need. And he's doing it with what? Joy. From where? Prison. Come on now, think about this. He is so aware of the Lord and, and the spirit of God within him that he's aware of their need when he's in prison. Talk about messing with the devil's head. Because we do, we get so focused on our need and we're, we're attempting to exercise spiritual principles to get our need met and the Holy Ghost is going, hey, hey, wake up, wake up. I want you to pray for brother or sister so-and-so. I want you to pray for this person or that situation. And we're, all we're thinking about is Mine, me, mine, me. And yet Paul's in prison and thinking about them. Jesus, help me. <laughs> Come on, could you say that with me? I mean, as far as my life, help me. Because that is maturity. 
That is absolute maturity where you're able to not just focus on yourself and everything's about you and your circumstance. And, you know, how many know this? If Paul came up to you and said, or wrote a letter to you and said, guys, I'm in prison. They could kill me at any second. Most believers would understand that and go along with that. But Paul doesn't start there, does he? Now, Paul is not doing what we, your, your natural mind would think in this. In other words, he's not sitting down and going, okay, what should I write? Come on, how many have done this? Instead of praying what you have led inside you, you go, well, my answer is going to be, what, what do you, you know, you, you, you answer based on what you think they want to hear. That's called not speaking the truth in love, <laughs> right? Now, I don't think you should just be harsh for the sake of being harsh. Of course not. That's not what I'm saying. But Paul is not coming from the motivation. He's coming from the motivation of the Holy Spirit, nothing else. Coming from that place of understanding of the Holy Spirit within him. And what comes out in that is, hey, I'm going to make supplication. I'm making supplication in my prayers on your behalf because I realize that you have a need. And not only am I praying for you um, from that place of understanding, but also I'm praying for you in joy. With what? All or with joy. Right? He's praying with what? Joy. Prayer should be with joy. They're buddies. They hang out together. What do we also know about joy? If you're praying with joy, what else do we know? You're praying in strength. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And you are praying in faith. Because joy, faith and joy are connected. Because faith has expectation. And joy is connected. You know you're in faith when you have joy. Have you ever heard joy about something and it didn't make sense why you would, but you just have it in you? That's the spirit of faith operating in you. Have you ever been in a horrible situation, but yet on the inside you're going, it's going to be all right. And people go, what's wrong with you? I don't know. It's going to be fine though. We're going to come through this and we're going to come out on the other side. And it will be fine. It, it's going to be okay. What is that? That's a knowing on the inside. That's the Holy Spirit bearing witness with your spirit. It's going to be okay. You'll be fine. You'll come out. It'll be good. So with joy, joy means calm delight or joyfulness. Calm delight or joyfulness. So verse 5, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. So I'm going to read these two verses together because they kind of don't make sense outside of each other. And it says this. I'm going to go back to verse 3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always and every prayer of mine making request for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. So now he goes into their fellowship with him. And fellowship means joint participation. It means partnership, community, or communion. To share which one uh, with one in anything. To share as a group in one thing. So you're grouped together in communion, in community over one thing. And we know in this case, they're grouped together over what? The gospel. Now, were they in prison with Paul? Physically. Okay, I'll add that. Were they in prison with Paul physically? No. So how are they sharing? How are they partnering? How are they communing with him? Well, we know that they were 
financially connected to Paul, but then also prayerfully. Then also, on the other side, he's an apostle that started the church in their area. They're connected in the spirit. Now, the byproduct, you know, most people focus on, and I understand why, and Paul does address the financial aid that, that was being brought to him in order to promote the gospel. But really, the connection is a divine connection in the spirit first, and the outflow from that is what? Community. In other words, God will lead you to a place around a group of people under a specific or church or minister or something like that, and what happens is you feel a connection to them in your heart, and from that develops community to where you're tied together in ministry. So now, and I talked about this on Sunday, I don't know if you caught it or not, but even in the offering time, whatever you give financially to the church and then we give to something else, you gave to that other thing without even giving to them. And it creates this, yeah, it creates this seed time and harvest and you could harvest off something that you weren't even directly connected to physically and that's the design of the part of the design of the kingdom it's amazing it goes deeper than that but fellowship has to do with this this is the reason for paul's joy when he thinks about them the philippians have been faithful partners with him in the ministry of the gospel paul has gone through the worst of circumstances and the philippians have stood with him their fellowship has been a source of great strength during these times this is why joy comes to him whenever he thinks of them think about this you actually can be an encouragement to a minister. Do you know most people are not going to go through what Paul did in their Christian life? You're not, most of you are not going to be shipwrecked multiple times. Sorry. I know that's disappointing. <laughs> I mean, I, I hesitate to do this, but yeah, let's just, just take a minute and do it. Go over to 2 Corinthians 11 real quick. And I'm going to go to verse 23. Here's, here's Paul's, uh, um, uh, basically, part of his letter to promote ministry for those that want to help. <laughs> Actually, he's just, he's just saying, look, this is some of my, what I've gone through as a, as a minister for the gospel. And most of us will never go through any of this. He says this, are they ministers of Christ? Now, keep in mind, the Philippian church partnered with Paul when he ministered to the Corinthian church. When the Corinthian church didn't support him financially. And uh, he did that on purpose, but they didn't support him financially. And so he goes on to say this, he says, are they ministers? I speak as a fool, I am more. In labors more abundant. Does that sound like TV ministry? <laughs> in other words... What we don't see oftentimes is this stuff. It's easy to turn on the TV and see the preacher, but you don't know his life outside of there. So you want to be careful about passing judgments too quickly. Amen. Go ahead. Believe I will. Thank you. <laughs> I'll just fill in the blanks, all right? <laughs> all right. So he says this. He says, in labors more abundantly. Does that sound like just hanging out? In stripes above measure. Why would you put above measure? Yeah, well, I mean, how many stripes you taken? I've done better than that. <laughs> I mean, above measure? 
I look at that and I go, my goodness, thank God the Philippian church was partnering with him. You say, why? He had medical bills after getting whipped. Right? And people think, people think well, what, what do you think they did? They probably cleaned the wounds and helped him heal. Right? I mean, this is practical ministry 101, right? In prison more frequently. In deaths often. Not, I had a close call once. <laughs> I thought I was going to die. In deaths, plural, often. That's exciting, isn't it? From the Jews, five times I've re received 40 stripes minus one. In other words, the Jews don't like him. Okay? They're not like buddies. Uh, three times I was beaten with rods. When was the last time you were beaten with rods? <laughs> he says, once I was stoned, and that's not talking about marijuana. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and the day I have been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers. In other words, Antifa was around then too. Portland. <laughs> Portland, yes. In Portland often. <laughs> no, it doesn't say that. Okay, so in perils, often, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, not only do the foreigners not like me, but my own don't like me either. Literally, the Jews paid people to follow Paul and to harass him. If you read through the book of Acts, the Jews literally followed and they stirred up the, the, the robbers, the evil men of cities where Paul went to turn riots against him. Does that sound familiar? Nothing new under the sun. Same spirit of Antichrist operating today, just like it was back then. Working through governments, working through all sorts of things. Same one. All right, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils of the city, in perils of the wilderness, in perils of the sea. He wasn't going hunting. You know, it wasn't like he was out elk hunting. He's like, oh, there's a bear over there. No, he's, he's, this, is, this is serious stuff where he's going. He's putting his life on the line continually for the sake of what? The gospel. Okay, and he's thankful. How many would, you'd be thankful you have a partner somewhere praying for you, even if they're not with you, supporting you so you can go do what God has called you to do, amen? All right, then he goes on to say this, in perils of the sea, in perils among false brethren. How many know that's almost worse? Yeah, we're your brother. False. That could be worse. In weariness and toil, in sleep, sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often. I don't know if those two are connected. Like, you know, he didn't have a meal, so he just turned it into a fast or what? But he, he had this often, in cold and nakedness. How many know you're cold when you're naked? <laughs> if the weather conditions aren't right. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to stumble? And watch this, I do not burn with indignation. I think Paul, I think a lot of people think, oh, if I could be around Paul. I think what they really mean is if they were around him, they wouldn't be able to hang out with him much. Because I think he was a goer. 
You know what I mean? I mean, highly motivated. Come on, we saw what he did with uh, uh, John, Mark, and Barnabas. I don't think he just sat around and was like, oh, it's okay, John, Mark. You know, I mean, he just, you're going home, boy. Barnabas was like, what, 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 what? And you can go with him. <laughs> it says they had a sharp disagreement. That's the Bible way of saying they almost went to fists, but they decided to just go. Oh, that would never happen in the church. <laughs> keep, 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 just hang out a little longer. <laughs> We're not believing for it. It's just the nature. We're humans are humans, right? And so you can have this uh, at times. But that's okay because, watch this now, for one, they, how many know they worked it out in the end? Paul and Barnabas, to the point where Paul said, hey, bring me John Mark. He's useful for me now. <laughs> I always find that interesting. He wasn't like, hey, guys, could you talk to John Mark? You know, maybe he'd be willing to join the team again. He's like, send him along. He's useful to me now. How would you like to be labeled useful? <laughs> you know, so like, you know, he didn't dote over John Mark like he did Timothy. I have not found anybody like Timothy. You know, we pretend that there's no humanity in this. He's like, Timothy carries my heart. There's not another minister on my team. How many know the rest of the team reading that in the letter might be upset? Well, if you don't even appreciate me, I'm going to go home. <laughs> All right, so you say, what's your point in that? I have no idea. Okay, so fellowship means joint participation is what it means and they stood with paul through everything verse six being confident of this very thing that he who has began a good work in you will complete it until the day of jesus christ so what do we see and this is where i'll wrap it up right here what we see is this being confident of this very thing do you see that phrase the word confident means to rely by inward certainty i would say this it's faith it's faith. It means to assure, to persuade, and trust, to have confidence. So by the Holy Spirit, Paul is about to tell us the very thing that he has inward certainty about. He has inward certainty about this. This confidence and persuasion comes from knowledge of the Word of God. It comes out of fellowship with God. So Paul is praying. He has these people in his heart. They have a connection in the Spirit. They've been joined together. They've been attached together in the Spirit. They're partner. They're in communion. They're in community. They're in fellowship together. And out of that prayer time with the Holy Spirit, with the Father, comes this knowing on the inside of Paul where he now speaks by the Spirit of God to the church at Philippi and he says, listen, I am confident of this very thing concerning you. And I want you to hear me in this. And then he goes on to say this, he, that he, how many know that he is Jesus, who begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So began, begun means simply beginning. It means to commence. So the statement in this verse specifically deals with the day you were converted. Incidentally, this is the same word used in Galatians 3.3, which states, are you so foolish having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect in the flesh? Here we see a pillar of truth for grace being our entrance into salvation and also our what? Continuance. So, 
The grace of God will not quit on you if you don't quit on him. Because his grace is not designed to stop. It doesn't run out of gas halfway through the mission. It doesn't run out of power even though the trouble is, per, is beset on all sides. All we need to do is realize that he who began the work will complete it. My job is to yield to his words to me. That's my job. I yield my will over to his ability and his faith, and then it operates through me. And I grow every year. Say it with me. Say, I grow every year. Say this with me. The grace of God, Christ in me, will complete the work in my life that he started. You should say that. Come on, think about it. Paul said this at the end of his life. I have finished my course. I want to do that. I want to say that. I don't want to get to the end of my life. And that means, you know what that tells me? That tells me that the Holy Spirit is not withholding the information that I need to complete the course. I, there, is a, there is a finish line at the end of my life, that was, and there's a path that was prepared before I was ever born, according to Ephesians 2.10. And it was established before I was born, and the grace of God has arrested me. I've yielded to Him in being born again. Now I have fellowship with the Father through the Holy Spirit. Now I have by faith and the work of the covenant access into the books of heaven concerning my life. The author thereof being God the Father... The revealer thereof being the Holy Spirit within me. All I have to do is yield and obey. And, and he who began a good work in me will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And I'm not leaving until I'm done. Now, you can say amen to me, but you better say amen for yourself. You, don't, you have a purpose and you will fulfill it. You say, how can you be convinced about that? I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will what? Complete it. In other words, I'm not depending on my ability or even your pretty face. I'm depending on Jesus in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. I'm praying, I'm believing God, I'm interceding, I'm supplicating on your behalf that the very spirit within you, as Paul said, until Christ be what? Formed in you. See, religion will tell you this. Well, you just never know. Where God says, I'll complete it if you believe me. Just keep fellowshipping with me. Keep fighting the doubt. Keep rejecting the fear. Keep running after the prize, the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Do yourself a favor and go ahead and just have total amnesia about your past. You say, what happened in your past? You say, I forgot those things which are behind <laughs> I forgot. People say, you remember, you, and they want you to be stuck in natural thinking. When I got saved, my friends said, oh, you're going to be one of them dumb Christians. I've been one of them dumb ones for about 23 years now. And guess what I've avoided? Multiple DUIs, in and out of prison. Come on. 
I have a friend who's saved today who would who'd go to the bar, get drunk. He'd, he'd wake up in the morning in somebody's uh, front yard. He don't even know how he got there. They just gone, wasted. It's a miracle he's alive. Do you know he's saved today, married to a girl. They have a family. They're serving God. Woo-wee. There's hope for all of us. Amen? He will perform it. The word perform means to fulfill, to execute, to accomplish. It means to finish. The good work is God's plan for our lives, which he started at the new birth. This plan includes daily maturity in the word and divine production, witnessing, laying on of hands, being light in all the world, in your world. Paul emphasizes that it is God the Father who begins this good work in us. And it will be completed till the day that the Lord returns. God will continue to complete his work in each believer as they cooperate with him until Jesus returns. And people say, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? I've got a few ideas. <laughs> How about grow every day in your relationship with the Lord? Pray in the Spirit every day in your relationship with the Lord. Read his feed on, be light, salt, wherever you go. Just be a witness. And, and go after him and pursue him for the rest of your life. Amen? <laughs> Say it with me. Say, he who began a good work in me will complete it till the day of Jesus Christ. He'll complete it. See, because of his grace, I'm a completer. People say, have you ever messed up? I say, have you? (laughs) Of course I have. Of course. Yeah, I've got amnesia. (laughs) I've got divine amnesia. (laughs) People say, but I I knew you before. I knew you. I knew, you know, I got to tell you this. You'll love this. A few Sundays ago, I was preaching, and, uh, I think I was preaching, I don't even remember what I was preaching on, but it doesn't matter. And I'm going to town, and I get done, and I noticed a lady out in the crowd that I've known since I was a little kid. And uh, she doesn't come to this church, but she was just visiting. And so we're driving home, or we're at home or something, and Heidi said, hey, your old Sunday school teacher said you did a good job today <laughs> from Faith Chapel, okay, years ago. She, she, and this is what she said. She said, Sean was the biggest trouble in children's, and I was, boy, I, I mean, I, I have the, uh, the, the anointing to have revival or riot wherever I go. <laughs> I've been able to do this, how many, you just know things about yourself, you know, as you're, and you just think it's a natural, you know, kind of ability, well, the enemy was using it, and my flesh, you know, I had great combination going on, I mean, I, I could steal the class from the teacher. You say, how? It's in me. I don't know, but I can do it, okay? I used to, I, could do, I did it in, in every job I've ever been in. Everyone. It just... <laughs> so what I have to do is I have to believe what God said about me and not even the dumb thing that I did or have done, I have to forget that and go, no, Lord, that's not me. That's not who I am. He'll go, yeah, that's right. That's not who you are. 
You are acting totally out of character there. That is not what I made you to be. If you get the resurrection rolling within you, I'll use that gift that you are so familiar with and we'll actually do some good here. <laughs> the other day, somebody who said, <laughs> there's another lady in the church. She's a real estate agent. And I got to stop. <clears throat> She's a real estate agent. And uh, she was at this house and there was a guy doing appraisals there. And they got to talking. And he said, I think I know this house. She goes, what do you mean? He goes, I think I used to come to prayer meetings here when I was in high school. And it was, uh, um, there was a doctor, somebody owned this house, and they would have prayer meetings and things like that. And this is actually when I was in high school, or just shortly after. And, um, or shortly before, I mean. And so uh, she was talking, and she said, oh, yeah, okay, you know. And, and they got to talking and find out this person's a Ramograd. And she goes, oh, I go to a church where there's, our pastor's a Ramograd. And, and she goes, oh, she said, uh, uh, or he, this, this uh, appraiser said, oh, yeah, uh, who's that? And she said, oh, Sean McFarlane. He goes, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. And I had just been, for whatever reason, the Lord kept having me share about how much of a troublemaker I was before I was saved. And, uh, and, uh. And I had shared some specific details, including that when I first got saved, nobody believed I was saved in that youth group. Well, a good portion, especially the leadership. They didn't believe I had changed. They thought I was after Heidi. Justifiable. All right, it was justifiable. All right, I can understand why, okay? So, yeah, it's a good thing my in-laws had faith. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd have been shot. But anyway, so... Um, I had shared some different things, including the fact that the, some of the leaders actually asked the youth pastor to kick me out of the youth group. And I found out about, about this years later. I didn't know about it at the time. And you say, did it hurt your feelings to where you couldn't come back to church? <laughs> yeah, right. I was like, well, I can understand that. <laughs> you know, I mean, I knew me. All right? So I wasn't living in a dream world, even though my world was hazy. Okay, so anyway... Uh, this guy starts telling this real estate agent all the things that I used to do, and he's rehearsing what I said from the pulpit. She said, and he said this. He said, out of all of us, because there was a whole slew that went to Bible college. She, he said, Sean's the only one that's in the ministry today. So don't tell me that he who began a good work can't complete it. Because they were all from the natural better than I was. But I'm not living in me. I'm living in him. Amen? I think we can end on that note. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.